0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the we from a very edition. I am your host, Erica Lance. My host today is. Vanessa Valiente. And we have with us the amazing and intrepid Diana Y Paul. Woo! You you probably shouldn't take drinks when I'm talking. All of my co-hosts are not last night. It's not good. Okay. Oh, what are we drinking today? I am drinking, um, thank you, Tiffany again, a Decoy Um Cabernet Sauvignon. I have to say, the fun thing about doing a podcast about drinking is all your friends, what they immediately do is give you alcohol. They're like, I've got the solution. We'll just bring her drink. Just good and not good
1: at the same time. Vanessa, what are you drinking, my friend? I uh, am drinking Kentucky Bourbon Ale. And by the way, being on this podcast, you have given me so many amazing drinking recommendations. Like, I finally just found the 19 Crimes Red Wine. It aged in a bourbon barrel that you drink, like, oh, yeah. yes, I can't wait to drink it.
0: It was a toss up between this one and that one, vanished 19 grams. Um, because it's cheap and it tastes good.
2: Diana, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Bokanougan Chardonnay. I could go in and get that bottle if you want to see the label. Yeah, please. Oh, look, We're the moment.
0: we have it. Yeah, no, I I love nineteen crabs. Nineteen crabs should sponsor
1: this podcast. I know. I'm like, it's. It, I haven't had one yet that I didn't like, and not w- try the white one, not the white. Oh, I generally don't go. I, I'm very, I'm very particular with white, but I want my next. The next one I want to try is the one with Snoop Dogg on it.
0: Oh, the color oh, is amazing.
2: Yeah. Okay. This
0: is the one. Oh, nice.
2: Mm. 2016 estate well you're also Napa Valley you got all the wine we We do
0: Florida. that's all I'm going to say about that no there's a couple of wineries but I don't know Florida's an interesting interesting maybe the weather's
2: too hot it might be
0: too hot it is too hot (laughs) but they figure out how to I don't know it's so interesting there's an amazing port at one of the wineries outside of Orlando that is fantastic. And I, I end up drinking the bottle before I can get it on the podcast, but that's a, I sound like an alcoholic. Let's move on. Okay, Diana, this is rapid fire questions. The first one is, what is your favorite
2: book of all time? Oh, I couldn't tell you one book. I'm sorry, because I read um, three books a week. So I've read so many books, but um, if I were to give you one that was within the last five or six years, I would say probably Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Mm-hmm. And then if I were to give you one that uh, celebrated its 50th anniversary just in 2019, I would give you Mrs. Bridge by Evan S. Connell. And Meg Wallitzer on the 50th anniversary said she thought it was the most perfect novel ever written. Wow. Do you have
1: like a specific auto author author? Like- that author comes out with a book and you're like, oh, I don't even need to know what it's about. And you just got to purchase it.
2: Um, well, for example, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine as a debut novel. I like debut novels. I think people really pour out their soul in the first novel. And so I really like to read them and I, I review novels for a publication. And so um, I look for those. But following a particular novelist, um, I probably would say maybe Elizabeth Strout or mm-hmm. Anne Patchett mm-hmm. or Ann Tyler, those three. All
0: right. Well, okay, so you write reviews for a um, place, whatever
2: that is. Um, a... I didn't know if I could say it, if you no, want me to say.
0: It's okay. If you want to say you
2: can say it. New York Journal of Books, I write for them. Oh I read your novels. Okay, do you ever uh, not finish a book? I used to always finish a book. Always, always, always. I figured, well, let's give it a chance. I started it. I really shouldn't uh, say anything about it until I finished it. But now, even though I've got the Kindle so I can read faster on the Kindle, I say to myself, do I really want to invest that time? So I usually get a, a novel, maybe 50 pages. And if the author can't grab me in 50 pages, then I don't finish it.
0: I I love that you said that because I am one of those people that will chuck a book and, yeah, if you don't grab me, I'm throwing the book. Because, not really because it's a Kindle and I need to stop throwing my Kindle around, but it's got a nice case. I just think if, if I'm not going to do the time, when I hear people will finish a book, they're like, the author wrote it, I'm like, no, they're using your valuable time. That's right? To do, no, it's not worth it. Okay, so we asked you your favorite book. Is there any book that you um, would make your least favorite list that you've read?
2: I've got quite a few on that list too because I'm not finishing a lot of books that I get. I mean, I have a hundred books on my TBR list right now. Oh wow! And I don't. I'd rather not say because you know. Authors really try very hard and even if I don't like the book, maybe somebody else would like the book.
1: Is there maybe like a classic, maybe an author that's no longer with us that you would feel comfortable giving a name instead of someone who might hear the podcast and be like,
2: Oh my God, no. No, I guess I would say most of the classic authors um, that you have to read in high school or college, I really love. I'm not sure that they, they don't have the same kind of standards for writing. Uh, 50 pages might not get you to where you need to be to say, oh, I want to quit the book now. But um, no, I would say it's more contemporary writers. Some of them really don't pull me in. Oh, God. What, what do you feel is um, the thing that throws you out of the story the most? If it's inauthentic, the character is not being honest in terms of, their responses, the author has not understood the character and said, we were talking about that uh, editor who made uh, the author change a line. If I feel something like that happens, it's enough for me to, to say there's something wrong with this book.
0: So when you write reviews, you're writing them for a publication, but as far as you yourself, will you give a negative review to a book, not including publication stuff that you're, you're doing, but like, Will you go on to Kindle and be
2: like one star, you know? Um, I don't give one stars, you know, as an author knowing how writing is a blood sport, I empathize with them too much. I think um, before I was a novelist, I might have given a one or two star, but um, I rarely give a two star and now I never give a one star. That makes sense. If you ever reached out
0: to an author of a book you had to read and go, hey, you really might want to take a look at X, Y, Z
2: in your book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do that. And I'll also say to an author in my reviews, this is what I really liked. And this is what I, I mean, you can see some of the reviews on New York Journal of Books. I try to be measured. In other words, the criticism I'm making or the uh, comments I'm making that I think could change the book and make it better are things that you could change. It's not going to be something like, oh, bad endings really bother me. Maybe bad endings bother some readers, but I'm just saying this ending doesn't hold together. I'll say that for some reasons, but I'm not going to say, oh, I didn't like the character, so I didn't like the book. I would never say that in a review. Wow.
0: Okay. I had a question and it just dissipated. Oh, you you talked about a a novelist that helped you with your book. Have you been able to meet um,
2: novelists that you're fans of? Yes, I have. And um, I'm good friends with um, several authors who are bestsellers. And I really appreciate the generosity among authors. You know, there's a certain mindset where you could say, oh, she's a bestseller, he's a bestseller. And um, I just really don't like the work or be negative about them or not wanting to have to support them or not going to their book launches. I will go to any book launch from any author. One time I went to a book launch and I was the only one there. And I could tell the author was ready to crumble. I feel that if you wrote a book, somebody should be there to prop you up. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I,
2: th- I think that's a great thing to have. and I'm glad you brought
0: that up because on this podcast, too, you know, it's been, uh, we've had it around over a year now, but we've been very fortunate to get some very large, book best-selling authors on this. And it's funny because they, or not funny, I guess that's not the right word, but they always then refer their friends. I'll get emails from other, you know, authors that say, hey, Blah Blah said that I should be on your podcast, so here I am and tell me when I could be on your podcast. And I'm reading the name and going, oh, my God, that person is be on my podcast? But I think the author community, I know there are some people outside of this, is a very humble community. Yeah. We I know am. what we took to get there, right? And you want to, to your point,
2: support each other in your activity. In fact, that's how I found out about you, was from an uh, author colleague. Who's on the bestsellers list right now? And she just loved being with you guys. Well, I, I like to think we're fairly entertaining.
0: Because I don't want to ask really boring questions. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, why would you ask boring questions? Authors are amazing, such creative. You can ask really cool questions like, you know, what book would you throw away <laughs> and never read again? And use the door stop. Um, so what, uh, what is your, what do you feel as a writer? I mean, you've written a lot and you do a lot of journalism, so you have a breadth of experience, but I feel like each one of us has this little thing that we do that the editors are like, stop using the word that all the time. You know, like, what do you think your
2: little, little perk is? Um, I guess one thing that the editor did that really floored me, and um, I actually had the car, but she said to me, you describe the car as this color, and it's not this color, it's this color. And she sent me the link. And I thought, oh my God, that kind of granularity and attention to detail floored me. So I think of myself as having quite a bit of focus on the detail, but I guess if I were to say something that's kind of quirky, maybe I kind of skim over some things that I should have maybe put into a different detail or done some research on to make sure that I was correct.
1: I think you'd be super, like, cause as an editor, like it, I always look at other little details like that because there are some people where you know you think oh well this is not no big deal or if i make a mistake it's not you know you you'll suspend disbelief there's people that will be thrown off and yeah. won't read the rest of your book over some like yeah. you know or they'll like send you emails or like a review where they're like the great the story was great but i'm so upset that they forgot you know but xyz yeah. you know what i mean And I feel like even if you don't even have to be writing like fantasy or historical, even if you're writing contemporary, you have to always be careful with little details just for something like that.
2: Exactly. Vanessa. And one scene, I have a fishing scene and there's a tackle attached to the hook. And I didn't put in what kind of tackle. I didn't know what kind of tackle it was or what kind of bait, but one reviewer said, She doesn't know anything about fishing because you couldn't use that. (laughs) It's funny you say that because
0: yeah. I think this is where it's important for a writer. If you if the detail doesn't matter, you go they go fishing and they catch a fish. Yes. But if you're going to describe that they put a blah on the rod and stuff like that, as much as it sounds like a minute detail in the thing and to your point with the car color if you just went they got in their red pickup truck nobody Mm -hmm. would give a crap they can insert ford chevy whatever yeah you know toyota but if you go they got into their late model you know 1983 ford whatever um and nobody get pissed at me on this show because they don't know my ford I'm making a point um but If if you go in a red thing, no, it wasn't red. It was magenta or candy apple or fiery brimstone, whatever the hell the name of the color was. People have their own knowledge and it's so important to them that you can't fake that kind of stuff. And you'll throw people. Some people may never notice because they don't know Ford cars, for instance. But other people will be like, you've got this wrong. And I think it invalidates our... Um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, mainly because there's mine in my brain, but it invalidates the author's certainty in the mind of the reader mm-hmm. of the fallacies Then later on in their story. Like, did they get this right? because they
2: got this wrong? Absolutely. Um, in fact, in my second novel, I was very careful. I made it much more vague in terms of things, except for food, because we love food and we're, we're connoisseurs and cook up a storm all the time. But except for details on food, a lot of things were just orange or blue. And I didn't try to put in any detail whatsoever in terms of a model of a car or a certain type of electronic device.
1: Yeah, I actually used a year making model in a short story and initially in my first draft, which I, I was lucky I caught the mistake myself. But I put in a year that that vehicle no longer was being made. <laughs> because I specifically wanted this car because I wanted it to be like an Easter egg because of the name of the car. It, it, it I wanted it to be an Easter egg for something else. So I had to use this name of a car but that type of car was only made within a certain span of years
2: before yeah. it was discontinued. So. Yep. You can see that with movie reviews on Netflix or on any IMDB websites oh, that's a blooper. They shouldn't have had that in that scene that didn't exist in 2015. Mm -hmm. So I did that tonight. I was watching the Loki series with my boyfriend
0: right before this podcast. And there's a scene where they play I Need a Hero, the song I Need a Hero. And um, I was like, because it's set in 1985 when they're playing this song and I'm like did that song come out in 1985 and I literally googled it I was like I don't think that song it did it was 1984 I was mistaken but whatever <laughs> it literally got me thinking and it was so funny because they're doing this whole scene and my roommate's like what are you doing and I'm like
2: I don't think that fucking song came out in
0: 1985 <laughs> <laughs>
2: Your boyfriend saying, "Get over it." Yeah, <laughs> he he's like,
0: "Why is that important?" And I'm like, "Because I
1: know that song."
0: Like, ah, I was born in '73. Let me
1: look this
0: up. Like, oh, that's too funny. I have you know, a question. Fresh- doesn't matter, but when it's just that detail, but if if I looked it up and it said it was done in 1987, because I know it was in a John Candy movie, but. If they had said that, I would have been like, these, Disney couldn't have spent the time to figure out a song that was actually in 1985?
1: Give me a break. that's what were you gonna say? Oh, I sort of wanted a segue because I wanted to ask this in the very first episode that we just recorded, but you mentioned Hammy's Tale. Okay. And without spoiling really anything, because it just came out. Did you watch the finale? Yes. yes. And the
2: sent chills up and down my spine.
1: Wasn't the ending so satisfying?
2: I tell you, that's what I was saying about how Margaret Atwood, her book was one of my favorite books in 1984 when it came out. And now to see this and what they've done with it, I just think it's it's a masterpiece. Oh,
1: it, 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 to me, it was like so satisfying i don't want to say it out loud but it was one of those say it out
0: loud vanessa i'm sorry don't spoil it don't spoil it if i get hate mail i swear to god i'm just
1: (gasps) you know what though when you watch it it's something you are promised and when they deliver it that's what you expect in storytelling which Mm -hmm. you know there's when i think back on shows and movies where i get upset with the ending you know, especially if it's not a happy, it doesn't have to be a happy ending. It just has to make sense. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the importance of having proper character development and making sure you're being consistent, you know, or the promises or things kind of um, circling back to things that happened in the past. And so I felt like this was like, it hit all the boxes. So that's it's, all I got to say about
2: it. I want to say one thing, because I know you have rapid fire questions for me, but if the ending is something that you don't think fits together, even though the dialogue and the character arcs are really developed well, does that make you reassess the whole project? It,
1: it can, it depends. Um, I don't think it makes me reassess the whole project.
0: I think it, it disappoints me in a Lucifer ending. I'm just going to say it. it, that series just ended, and I thought the entire second half of this last series was complete garbage, and I want to know, you can tell they changed writers, the whole story arc to me was terrible, I watched it all, so go giving my kudos to it, but I, I was like, what the hell happened to the characters and the whole point of this show, and it, it's, it's honestly, I fell asleep for the last part of it, my boyfriend was explaining it to me this morning. And he's like, "Are you going to watch it?" And I said, "Tell me what happens." And he told me what happened, and I'm like, "No, no, because I'll just get mad at that show." I think it's the consistency again for me of the story. You throw me out of the story, or have the characters do something I don't see as part of the character. You can change. Like Breaking Bad is an example. We talked about in the last podcast, right? I loved the way that series ended. I could see why people were mad, but I thought it was a perfect ending. Because to me, the character of Walter and Jesse, both of them, but there was a little bit of peeling back sort of layers of the onion on that character to get to where it went to. And where it went to was not necessarily the beautiful inside of an onion, more like the rotten part of an onion, but, but it made sense. It made, it was so perfect, that story arc, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved it because also, and it's been out a long time, so people, go ahead. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Don't get mad at me. But um, what I liked about it was, it. I like it when there's a broken character, and they. Don't oh, we have
2: similar taste. Broken, damaged characters. Broken, damaged characters, but they don't get some miraculous healing. No, the Hollywood ending. You yeah. know, Hollywood endings only make sense for certain types of characters. Right. Exactly. For- and that's why I'm saying read Silverwinds Playbook. I'm just coming back to that
0: because they're broken characters and they stay broken in the book.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I would say back to your original question, like I don't disregard the whole the whole series. I just say that up into whatever episode I acknowledge everything that comes after, I forget it. And then, you know, you know, I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones, as I say that. Um okay. specifically. <laughs> But uh, I'm okay with like unsatisfied endings in the sense where it's not wrapped up in a boat. I actually am okay with it. Like I think one of the most perfect movies, and if you don't agree with me, you can fight me on it, is I love, I love Inception. It is probably one of my favorite movies. I think it had perfect acting, amazing dialogue, very complex, really crazy storyline. And the ending can be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And whether did you think he was still in a dream or did he go and finally see his children in the end? And I feel like that to me is is perfect. I feel like everything just came together, you know? Uh, you know? And then the other one I think of is Watchmen the tv series on hbo like do i wish there was more episodes sort of yes but then i also would be more upset if i got more episodes and it ruined the majesty of that whole of that whole limited series up until that last scene you know ends tell me i and haven't let's... seen it i haven't oh seen it. Don't, don't don't tell her. I got a question for you,
0: Diana. What is your favorite movie to re? Do you rewatch movies a lot?
2: Oh, we watch at least one a night. No, do you re-watch them, though? Do I re-watch them. If it's been quite a few years, then I will. Yes. Oh, I'm an avid rewatcher. If I like a movie,
0: I like going through the layers and the layers and the layers of the movie. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times the first pass through... If it's done really well, you don't get all the little nuances and especially yeah. some of the little humor if it's written really well. What
2: is one of your favorite movies that you've ever watched that you've gone back to? That I've rewatched, um, I would say Fargo. The original Fargo with Frances McDormand. I love that
0: movie. The first time I saw it, I was in hysterics because I grew up um, I, I didn't grow up in, I grew up in Hollywood, California, but my family is from Minnesota, don't you know? And they were talking, and I'm like, when I go up there, my boyfriend can always tell when I talk to one of my Minnesotan relatives on the phone because, you know, I'm talking like this and I'm talking about all the things to be like, did you talk to somebody from Minnesota today? And I'm like, I don't know why you're thinking that. But, yeah, I switched back into the accent. But they what when they were talking, I was, tears were coming down out of my eyes and I was rolling. And that character she portrayed had such, if you pick an even keel character that doesn't have like, you're like, how is she not reacting more to all of these things that are
2: happening? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. In fact, she's one of the ones that I would have put into Things Unsaid as I eat a Whitman. Because she is such a force but she also plays characters that are vulnerable. They're very powerful. They're very strong. They're very assertive, but there's something underneath that's very soft and vulnerable.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, I
0: agree. Okay, what, what um, I was going to ask, so how long does it take you, when you sit down, how much writing can you get done? Like, How many um, words do you put to paint when you sit down and you're like, I'm going to write today.
2: I usually write about 10 pages a day. Okay. 10 pages is, after that I kind of get burnt out. I can be on a roll and maybe get to 12, but I'm usually writing a scene. And I also use software so I can keep track of what's going on in like a, a map. It's called Simple Map. And so I'm looking at a map and I'm saying, okay, I want to get to here. And it usually is 10 to 12 pages. So do
0: you feel you plot your books or you bought them?
2: I'm not a plotter. I have kind of an outline, for example, for things that said, I knew I wanted it to be um, a middle-aged woman with her own growing daughter, very close, and she had parents that she feels an obligation to. That's all I had. And then the rest of it is what they call a pantser, where it just kind of flows.
0: I'm a pantser. I'm going to do an outline. You might get a bullet point, a bullet point out of me if you're really lucky. (laughs) You know, maybe eventually when I die and I'm super famous, and they go, Can we, to my kids, can we have some of the writing journals? They're going to be horribly disappointed when <laughs> my kids go, Yeah, she can have those. No, I don't do a journal either. Yeah. Okay. I have a question? question. What? Oh, go ahead, Vanessa.
1: So, of all, because you are, you constantly are watching movies and shows. For any, like, if you were to say for 2021, if you wanted to recommend maybe one of the best shows and the best movie you've seen this year to recommend to our listeners on, you know, something that you would think is good to watch entertaining.
2: Okay. I am going to go with what Erica said about how series are really, really very good storytelling vehicles. And I would say for comedy, but poignant Ted Lantos, for timely and politically uh, searing, but very uh, balanced, The Morning Show. And for mystery and a dynamite ending, Mayor of East Town with Kate Winslet. Oh, I want to see that. So oh, that went viral, all the reactions to that. Okay.
0: What about book? What has your
2: favorite book been this year? Oh, this year? Um, I just finished and reviewed, and I really liked this one, called The Push by Ashley O'Drain. It's not a first book, but it's the first book to really get some traction. And what I call it in my review is the laceration of motherhood. Oh, wow. He tells the story of being a new mother and at one point not even liking the smell of her body. It is so gripping. and so disturbing. And then it becomes something of a psychological thriller. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then for the nonfiction one, um, I I just read Dreams of My Father, which blew me away because Barack Obama writes like a novel, novelist. But I also am reading about halfway to three quarters through Chanel Miller's Know My Name about wow. the heinous rape at Stanford. She pictures what she went through when she really couldn't process it and somehow processes it maybe two years after. I think it came out at the end of 2019. Uh, The vicious rape was in 2015. So she probably had a year to write about it and process it all. It's amazing. Those two for this year.
0: Very, very cool. Okay, we are actually at the end of our time again, which is amazing because you're amazing to talk to. So I'm going to insist, Diana, I can insist as if I have power over this, but I'm going to insist anyway, as if I'm boarding over the show, that um, when your next novel comes out, then you let us know it's coming,
2: because I would love to have you back on the show. I would love it. I would love it, and I will let you know. I will now, let you both know. Okay. So and you- thank you. Thank you course. so much. You guys
0: like just- just- think- are going free at all.
2: What was that? Are you working on book three-year-old, another book? I'm trying to figure out this. I don't know if I want to go with the same family that I have invested so much in things unsaid. Uh, Zoe was in high school and now she's just graduated from college for deeds undone. And I'm not quite sure if I want to go on more with Zoe or if I might want to go in a completely different direction and um, make it, both those books are kind of dark, even though The Cozy Mystery is not as dark as Things Unset. I would really like to do comedy. I would like you to really
0: do comedy because you have amazing timing, my friend. And I think you would
2: excel at that. We're still being recorded, right? Of <laughs> There's a reading. I read something from Things Unset. Now, Things Unset, the scene between Aida and her daughter in this um, consignment store can be taken two ways. And when I read it with my friends, it was taken two ways. Some people thought, oh, it's so sad what Jules, the main character, had to suffer from her mother. And others said, oh, that's so funny. And the way you re- read it at bookstores, you could be a stand-up comic, the manager of the bookstore said. And I kind of stuck with that. And I thought, you know, it depends upon how you read some dialogue, whether it's going to be funny or if it's going to be kind of... Uh, sad and upsetting and I thought you know comedy and tragedy right the two sides of the masks and I'm thinking I might want to make it funny I, I think you would do brilliant
0: in making something funny my thank friend you. <laughs> yeah absolutely you just have a fascinating life and I know we have a limited time on this podcast but I can't wait to talk to you again you're amazing
2: oh thank you
0: it's been so much fun Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so tell people how to find you again because we're doing self promotion.
2: Okay, Amazon for the book and my book profile, Things Unsaid, Diana Y. Paul. Facebook, you can search Diana Y. Paul. Diana Y. Paul's a website, it's pretty easy too. Um, and Diana Y. Paul author is the uh, Instagram. And then there's also uh, Diana Paul 10, Twitter, Diana Paul 10. I'm on Reddit and LinkedIn, but you know, those are also um, not as popular, but you can go to those as well and find me.
0: Well, it depends on the person, whether
2: those sort are of
0: popular right? <laughs> Oh my gosh, you have been so much fun. Okay,
1: this has been for
0: you, few of authors, the literary briefs that I've getting host Erica Lam. I'm Vanessa Valiente. Our guest has been Diana whitehall She's who is just an amazing person. And I suggest everybody follow her stuff and don't be creepery about it, though, because I will come find you through that word. But go look her up because she has an amazing story and amazing voice. You have to really check her out. So thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you. You're most welcome. And we'll see you next time, guys.
2: All right.